Before we start this episode, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners on the land on which we're recording this podcast, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay my respects to their elders, both past, present, and emerging. Always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. Hey, I'm Sam Squires. Welcome to On Her Mind, where we delve deep into the big issues affecting women in sport, providing thoughtful background analysis, insight and opinion. In this episode, we're chatting about the scheduling of this year's AFLW season and how it may conflict with other popular women's sports in the future. Can they all work well together or could they possibly cannibalise progress? And to do this, I'm pleased to say that I have AFL.com journalist, presenter and commentator Sarah Ollie with me now. She's my good mate as well. It's <laughs> wonderful to have you here doing this. It's so nice to be on, Sam. I love hearing your voice again. And me too. I just love seeing your face. This is going to be fun. <laughs> um, and I really wanted to platform this because it's it's something that's gone through my head so much this year looking at this window of women's sports that we've seen in this October window through September and November as well. Because let's take it back a step for the AFLW season. It was a bit of of a controversial decision and a late decision as well to hold two AFLW seasons in 2022. But the plan was to make this position that's later in the year the permanent position for the competition. We've seen so much experimentation over the last few years with the AFLW why did the AFL initially make the change to this window later in the year? Ostensibly, Sam, I think they just listened to the clubs and they listened to the players. And playing footy in the heat of summer, it's mm. not all that much fun. The girls were playing in, you know, 35, 40 degree conditions. And footy's a winter sport. So they wanted it moved. And I guess the AFL at the end of season six, which finished in April with the Crows defeating the Demons, they had to make a decision. Do we have two seasons Mm. in the one year and have a very close backup? Or do we wait 18 or so months Mm. and lose all the momentum that's been built over the six seasons thus far. And really the latter wasn't a viable option. So Mm. they went for the very short runway. There were just four months in between season six (laughs) and season seven. And within that time, Sam, as well, four new teams added to the competition to make it whole so that it would be an 18-team competition. A very, very short runway for the Swans, Port Adelaide, Mm. Essendon and Hawthorne. They had to get their skates on really fast. So there were some issues that the league had to encounter. Personally, I think short-term pain for long-term mm. gain, but some very tired people in Clubland at the moment because they've had mm. three seasons, two women's and a men's season within the one year. It's been crazy. Well, momentum is something that you said they could, they feared that they could lose if they did wait the 18 months rather than have that short runway, but also possibly lose some of our great players as well who are ageing and getting a little bit older as well. Possibly they would could have chosen to retire and not been able to wait those 18 months for another season. And the poster girl for that is Melbourne's now premiership skipper <laughs> in Daisy Pierce because she's 34. We know her story. She's had twins How is come she back. That? She is incredible. Oh, yeah. She's now got this job offer to go down and work under Chris Scott at Geelong. And of course, she's also got her media commitments. So mm. I agree with you. I think there was a little silver lining in perhaps enticing some of the veterans to play on because were Daisy and 
her uh, peers and her cohort, mm. were they forced to wait 18 months? Who knows how many of them we would have lost. Mm. On the flip side, though, girls who had ACLs or 12-month yeah. injuries, yeah. they've lost two seasons. Yeah. So that is the flip side. But mm. I, I like the Daisy story. So I was happy to see her salute recently with the Ds. And possibly if they didn't have another season and waited so long, they could have possibly had more ACLs because of not being able to play as often as yeah. well. Um, yeah. Did this change work, do you think, Sarah? Is this the right position now for the competition moving forward? I think it is the sweet spot. So it's kicked off in the pre-finals bye for the men. Mm-hmm. So what that mean was clean air for round mm-hmm. one, but people were still after a bit of a footy fix then. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great spot for it to kick off. It means as well that the grand final and the finals and the back end of the season they also have clean air from the men's game. Mm. Of course, at the moment, it's just a 10-round home and away season. Mm. For the first time in season seven, we saw the full complement of finals, so four weeks, so 14 all together. In an ideal world, we'd like to play every team once, Once. though, wouldn't we? So that would be an extra, what, seven weeks to find. Mm. I think you would have to push it back again into the men's season Mm. because otherwise we're getting into those same problems of playing over summer. And also playing over Christmas as well. So the girls always talked about having to play over Christmas and being good over Christmas and not (laughs) not being good. Like they're not going to go out and party or anything, but we know what Christmas is like and you want to be able to enjoy yourself as well. It's a hard time uh, to be a professional athlete. Sorry, cricketers. I know you do it all the time. So what will it mean though with, you talk about, I mean, the competition is going to progress. We, if they, I mean, I liked having the start of the season in that buy, it was clear air and yeah, people wanted that footy. And also otherwise you're giving a free pass to the NRL as well, because they're at the real peak of, of their season and that buy week. Um, how will it work if you do that have a 17-week home and away season where everyone plays each other once, you're not going to be able to have that bye week. You're going to take it further into the footy season. I think so. But who knows what it will look like in the future. And we've seen within the AFL they're adding an extra round next year. So I think there's room for them to tinker with how their season looks as well. And perhaps you put in a bye mid-season for the men Mm. and that's where the AFLW kicks off for its first round to mm-hmm. then go through for the full 17 weeks plus the four weeks of finals. Mm-hmm. I think there's certainly room to manoeuvre there. And I think one of the cool things about women's sport is that it's not really shackled to too much tradition. The mm-hmm. harder part is We're with... creating tradition. With the, yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the harder part is with, you know, the men's competition and, and finding flexibility there. But I don't mm. see why we wouldn't be able to implement a buy there and have the girls have that fresh, clean air Mm. at the midway point of the season for the men who, by the way, are crying out with their CBA, their collective Mm. bargaining agreement, for more buys. Mm. So perhaps we can find a sweet spot there as Mm. well. I think that would be wonderful to be able to do that. And as you said, if that's what the men are crying out for as well, it could serve their purposes as well. One of the arguments I heard for expanding the competition and how it would work to 18 teams, because there has been the talk, did they expand too quickly? Mm. Um, Did that kind of dilute the competition? But one of the really good, and I think it might have come from you, Sarah, in our discussions was that, (laughs) you know, footy and AFL is so tribal. Yes. So, you know, a Giants fan here in Sydney, not necessarily going to jump on the Swans bandwagon or vice versa. Swans are not really going to jump on the Giants bandwagon, but if they have their own team, then there is this tribalism and they will support the women's team. Did that happen 
Well, I did the yeah, men's so. fans of their teams get behind their women's teams and that tribalism really work with having 18 teams? Well, in round one of the recent season, season seven, I was doing boundary for the Hawthorne-Essendon game. So this is the inaugural game for these two teams, for AFLW, and about 15,000 fans descended on Marvel Stadium, which is a really healthy crowd for AFLW. Mm. And if you think about it, Hawthorne and Essendon in the men's side of things, they had awful seasons. Mm. There wasn't much to celebrate. <laughs> Their teams weren't playing finals. So there was a hunger amongst that cohort to come out and support their clubs. Having said that, what we do know is that the AFLW demographic in terms of the supporter base, the member base, the people that do come out to these grounds, which are often suburban grounds, they are a distinct breed of people in terms of they might not be rusted on AFL fans, Mm -hmm. but I think there is room for rusted on AFL fans to support an AFLW club as well. But I love going out to AFLW games because they do have their own feel to them. Mm. It's a it's a more uh, it's a more of a warm feeling, a more of a welcoming feeling, mm. and you see that with the people that are there. There are more young families. families. There are more diverse people <clears throat> from the LGBTIQ plus community. Mm. So yeah, it does have its own distinct feel. AFLW. Mm. But I don't see why you wouldn't support both, particularly if your men's side aren't going too well. Yeah. I mean, that's another free pass for you, isn't it? To We're come more than have... happy to have you on the women's bandwagon. <laughs> All aboard, exactly. I say. Absolutely. <laughs> well, the big thing for me that has really racked my brain this season has been watching this window because I loved how the AFL kind of season started within the men's season and then went beyond their grand final because I have noticed, and I mentioned this last week on on her mind, even at Fox Sports News, in terms of how engaged we've been with the women's game this year and where we've placed them in our bulletins and they've been in our headlines. I feel like they have been given more attention because we didn't have the, the men's game. And I felt like that was a big thing. And I watched it on other networks as well. I felt like they were putting on more uh, women's stories, which was fantastic. But at the same time, the WBBL was playing uh, as well. And the WBBL, I liked what they did. They identified in 2019 that this was a pretty good window, a clear window, this October window to play the competition. This was the first time they were going to have a standalone competition outside of the men's competition, which is, of we, as we know, starts in December. Um, and this October window was the window that they were like, this is clean air. We're going to put it on here. And it's really worked for them. And in this year, especially, we saw really engaged fan bases and crowds. It was difficult as well, though, because, I don't know, cricket scheduling, they put the T20 World Cup, which was mm-hmm. on home soil, on at the same time as well. But, I mean, that's a window where we've seen women's sports thrive. The A-League women's also starts in November. And I, you know, I'm a big NRLW fan and I feel like this would be great for the NRLW to do what AFLW did and move beyond the men's grand final because right now the NRLW finishes with the NRL grand final but it's a double header and people don't go necessarily go to the game early to be able to watch it and I feel like it could grow and really cope on its own and get that clean air if it moved outside of the men's season like the AFLW season. But then I started thinking... This isn't a big window like it was. It was a great window when the WBBL <laughs> like did it in 2019. But we're going to have AFLW, WBBL, A-League Women's, possibly NRLW all in this 
part of, of the year. What do you think? Can they all work together or will they, as I said in the intro, cannibalise each other and where you have to choose between one or the other and they cancel each other out? It's a tough one, isn't it? Because if you look to the men's codes for any kind of idea, I guess, in that space, you'd have to say no because the code wars are alive and well. I mean, Mm. you just have to look at the front page of the Herald Sun on Sunday. They got an exclusive to the AFL's round one for next year and it was, you know, released at the same time as the Socceroos playing off Mm. and, you know, there was a lot of derision uh, down here in Melbourne around that. I think Caroline Wilson, who, you know, is a doyen in the AFL, Mm -hmm. she described it as lame, that Mm. move. So Code Mm. Wars, they are alive and well. I think, though, with women's sport, what we've seen is that women's sport and the supporters of women's sport, they'll happily support many different codes at once. And uh, we saw that, Sam, with, you know, when the Matildas were playing at the same Mm. time as an AFLW final between Richmond and North Melbourne, Mm -hmm. there was people were a bit peeved, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, they could they have were sca- easily yes. moved it to the Sunday, the AFL exactly. W, but they decided to have a punt road right near where the Matildas were yeah. playing their game pretty much at the same time, which meant you couldn't, you had to choose, right? And people were like, why do we have to choose? We would have loved we to come the Matildas on the Saturday mm-hmm. and then gone and watched Richmond on the Sunday. And look, that's one of the teething issues as well with all these leagues because for AFLW, grounds are an issue at this time of the year mm. as we head into cricket season. Uh, some grounds don't have lights, so they can't be staged mm-hmm. at certain times of the day. And Richmond, who'd earned the right to host a home final, were pretty adamant that they wanted to keep it at Punt Road Oval. But yeah, it was frustrating for supporters who love AFLW mm. and also love following the Matildas. Mm. So of course they were going to be annoyed by that conflict and having to choose. So I think they can coexist in the same space, but perhaps we just need to be a bit smarter when it comes to fixturing, having a little bit more foresight, having a look at what our national teams are doing, having Possibly a look at how... together. Yeah, exactly. Somewhat. Not I mean, think that you're the bigger force and can... Because yeah. that's <laughs> not... That just upsets fans, right? Fans were upset of that decision. They were. I wonder though, are we being a little bit too aspirational? I'm not sure. Mm. I hope not. I hope not because... This is such aspirational a great or smart. I think it's just being yeah. smart as well. Like, look what's happening. But I know how sports organisations work. They're like, we can cope. We'll get the bigger audience. That's <laughs> fine. They can move their game. But I think you're right. I think they need to work together, especially as we said, if NRLW and AFLW extend their competitions into the men's competitions, further into the men's competitions as well. That's huge competition for fields and for stadiums. And we want the women to be able to get the audience and be able to play on bigger stages as well. It's going to be really interesting. I mean, it's a perfect argument. I don't want to bring it up against the stadium wars again, but it's a perfect argument to redevelop a lot of those um, suburban grounds as well. It's a big issue here in New South Wales, but it makes sense, right? We need more stadiums because the sporting landscape is expanding quite a lot. What is the situation with NRLW? Because with AFLW, we definitely do need more boutique stadiums. Icon Park, which is where Carlton trains and used to play when it was Princess Park, that is a great AFLW facility. Brisbane, we've just seen, have opened Springfield, which hosted the grand final, albeit perhaps Mm -hmm. a little bit prematurely, Mm -hmm. but that's going to be a fantastic boutique ground as well. But I think if we're going to keep these sports in this part of the year when Cricket is a big issue and pitches have got to be dropped in. Mm. We need more boutique stadiums. Is that the same case with 
NRLW? Absolutely. And big issue at the moment because a lot of the suburban stadiums were supposed to be redeveloped by the New South Wales government, uh, Mm. but they reneged on that um, handshake deal with the NRL in order to do that. But a lot of them are not up to scratch at all. And a lot of them, the stadiums, I mean, they're not equipped for for women's games as well. A lot of them just have troughs. They don't have enough cubicles in their change rooms, not enough um, showers with even doors, like little things like that people don't understand. You know, I went to... I spoke with the Roosters um, women's coach, John Strange, when they opened Allianz Stadium. And I said, oh, what did you think of the stadium? He said, oh, I went for a tour. He said, the first question I asked, I said, how many cubicles are there in that, <laughs> in those? Um, and I said, oh, ah, good question. And he was like, yeah, they were wondering why I was asking that question. But a lot of the stadiums only have two cubicles. He said, if I've got, you know, 17 girls that need to go out on the field and they need to do a nervous wee, I mean, that just takes up like over 20 minutes of their warm up time, basically. And little things like that, I don't think we realise, but the landscape has changed to include women and stadiums haven't kept up with that because they're still stuck when they were built, when the women's professional game wasn't a thing back then. So, um, so yeah, I think the scheduling and I'm a big, anyone who knows me knows that I'm a big stadium nerd as well. I love stadiums and I love thinking about stadiums because I love thinking about gender equality and stadiums don't match up to that. I think that'll be another on her game, on her mind episode um, a little bit later. But, um, But this window has been great. And I think as well, Sarah, like it will be interesting to see next year because we have had two AFLW seasons this year. We've also had two NRLW seasons. So I feel really wholesome at the end of the year. Like I feel like I've had a really great fix of women's sports because we've had so much this year, which has been fantastic. But it'll be interesting to see how you and I feel like when it comes, you know, May, June next year when we haven't had that fix for for quite a while, for six months, and we still have a while to go before the competition starts again. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how wholesome we feel. But do you feel that as well? I just feel like I've had so much this year and really enjoyed it. But I know that's not going to be the case moving forward. I do feel wholesome. To be honest with you, I also feel a little bit tired <laughs> because it has been it has been a big ten or so months, but it's been so fantastic to see women's sport twice as much as we probably should have. But yeah, I think we'll be celebrating for it mm. next year when we've had to wait for so long. But I think as well, it will be a nice chance for clubs to reset, especially for some of the newer programs. I remember Scott Gowans, the Swans head coach, he said, oh, it must have been at the halfway point of the season. He said, oh, we're just going to take the girls away for a couple of nights because we didn't really get a pre-season camp. No. That, the run-up was so short. Yes. They didn't have time to do any of those kind of things. Yep. So they did it in season. So it will be nice for those clubs to have opportunities just to take things mm-hmm. a little bit slower and build up towards season eight, which I'm sure will be the best yet. As I mentioned, we have had a lot of women's sports in this little window, um, which we've loved. But could the popularity and the abundance of women's sports that we've seen in this window possibly be the reason why we're seeing such low numbers in, say, like the men's cricket, you know, the series with with England and now the start of the Test Series with the West Indies? Do you think maybe that could be a reason why, you know, there's maybe be low numbers over there? There's more competition for space, not just within the women's game, but possibly the whole sporting landscape. Yeah, it's a good question you pose and maybe we are just all a little bit fatigued. I think there is so much cricket in particular on at the moment and we've seen over in Perth the crowds, well, they were basically non-existent, I think, 5,000 on the Mm. last day of the test, which is just not really something you associate with the Australian summer. And And the first 
test of the summer. No, mm. exactly. I mean, who knows what else is at play when it comes to that. Obviously, kids are still at school and that's where Melbourne and the, the Sydney tests, we are lucky because, you know, it's school holidays. Mm. And I know when it comes to Boxing Day, the MCG will be packed mm. once again. So who knows what and the no issue is there. And no women's sports, as much women's sports on at that time. That is true as well. Because so WBBLs ended, the AFLWs yeah. ended, the NRLWs over as well. So, but no one brings, has brought that up, but I just no. wondered whether... You know, we have seen so much in this window. Maybe that has detracted Perhaps it eyeballs has. and that, interests yeah. and, yeah, and choice, right? That used to be just cricket in that mm-hmm. in that time frame and now there's so much else. Um, I think it would be remiss of us to talk about scheduling and we've talked about stadiums and not talk about the grand final as well and, uh, of course, being up there in Brisbane, but, it, you know, it was played at their new grounds um, at Springfield because they didn't, weren't able to get Metricon or the Gabba. Is that something, should we look at having a permanent place or permanent home for the AFLW grand final like we did with the men's game, like we do rather with the men's game as well? So that we're not, especially with so much competition, there won't be as many stadiums available when we need to. Do you think that's something that we should should look at? It's tricky because I don't mind the fact that if you finish on top, you earn the right for a home grand final. As long as you can actually have it exactly. at your home. Exactly. So that's, that's the next step. So do we need to make sure that within every state there is a boutique stadium that is ready to go on a certain date for a grand final? That would be one way around it. Or as you said, we just have one stadium where it's going to be every year Mm. or alternatively, we move it around. Mm. I mean, we've seen that, you know, in America that happens that they take Mm. grand finals on the road and that you earn or states can bid for it or Mm -hmm. however it works. And perhaps that's another way to get around it while we don't have boutique stadiums throughout the country Mm -hmm. to ensure that there is that fairness and equity. Mm. Perhaps we just do choose at the start of each season Boom, it's going to be in Springfield. Sell Next it off year, to the highest bidder. Icon. Yeah, perhaps. Super that, Nepal that's did it this year, it. controversially given, yeah. but um, could have a longer lead up time. But, you know, they, they did it successfully. And so too did um, the NRL. They're going, said that they're going to do that as well. But uh, if you could choose a stadium that could potentially be the home mm. for AFLW Grand Final, because I mean, the Demons proved that, you know, a home ground advantage isn't really a home ground advantage when, you know, you consider. The, uh, the stadium and what happened in this year's grand final. So where would your ideal grand final home Well, I mean, a be? couple of seasons ago, the Crows managed to get, what was it, 45,000, 50,000 at Adelaide. Yeah, Liverpool. amazing. So, you know, build the stadium and they will come. Um, I know the girls love playing at Marvel Stadium because there is a roof. It means it's a fast deck. It means that their skills are on display. And having been there when there were 15,000 for round one for Essendon and Hawthorne, it actually had a really great atmosphere. Mm. Marvel Stadium doesn't always have a great atmosphere. Mm. That's that's one knocker. It has to have a certain number of people filling seats for it to have that great vibe, which is all about AFLW. I mean, my Melbourne bias will probably say Marvel, Sam, but I'd be I happy part- with Marvel. It looks yeah. good. It looks professional. You said the girls yep. love playing there. And yeah, I think... The popularity grows, they'll fill it as well, so long as the Matildas don't put a game on the same time, neither the NRLW <laughs> and the WBBL and anything else that can cannibalise it. So what's our message at the end of the day? What if we come to discuss that, yeah, this is a good window for the AFLW, but moving forward, there's a lot of competition for women's sports. They have to be smart 
about how they schedule those in and work together somewhat. Yeah, and leagues and different codes need to lose the arrogance. Let's work together, hey, because everyone wants to support these growing women's leagues and you need to make sure you're not scheduling games at the same time as each other because that's just going to get everyone annoyed. So, Mm. yeah, let's just have a little bit more foresight. I mean, that's the other thing though, isn't it? Every year when things change, we're learning. Mm -hmm. We are learning and we're going to keep on learning and learn how to coexist with each other. And create our own traditions that work. Sarah Ollie, it's been fantastic to have you on On Her Mind and to pick your brain. And thanks so much for joining me. Come back next year when we have more On Her Mind episodes. (laughs) We'd love to. Thanks, Sam. 